0: What's
1: going on, everyone? It's Friday, July 22nd. I'm Zachary Crockett. I'm here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla and Rob Litterst, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. We've got two stories for you today. First off, colleges around the country are merging to stay afloat. Rob's going to fill you in on how higher ed is taking a page out of the finance world's playbook. And after that, Juliet's going to take us through a very bizarre TikTok trend that's ruffling some feathers and maybe making some people sick. Not really sure. But first, some business and tech news for you. Kylie Jenner is under some heat over her private jet. Social media protesters are calling the reality star a climate criminal after jet trackers showed that Jenner regularly takes flights less than 15 minutes and as little as three minutes in duration when she could have just taken a 30-minute drive instead. Jenner's $73 million jet emits over two tons of CO2, and it's about 5 to 14 times more polluting than a commercial plane. Amazon has entered an agreement to acquire the primary healthcare company, One Medical, in an all-cash deal valued at around $3.9 billion. That's the latest in Amazon's big push into healthcare. Back in 2018, the company acquired the online pharmacy PillPack. Tesla sold off $936 million worth of Bitcoin in the second quarter of 2022. That's about 75% of its crypto holdings. The company bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin last year and made out with around $100 million in profit. But since then, Bitcoin's fallen from $68,000 down to around $23,000. And Tesla says it's become a bit of a financial liability. No word from Tesla on Elon Musk's Twitter temper tantrum, though, which is also probably a financial liability. And lastly, Americans are moving in droves to Europe. Sotheby's International Realty said that requests from Americans looking to move to Greece are up 40% in the April to June period compared to last year. The hottest spots seem to be Italy, Portugal, Spain, and France. And that's due to a few factors. First off, the euro and dollar have achieved parity. That means one euro is about one dollar now for the first time in 20 years. So it's a great time to buy real estate abroad. But also, as we all know, housing is just cheaper in general over there. And uh, it's not looking so great right now in the US. After being priced out of Atlanta, one woman recently bought two houses and a storefront in Italy for 60,000 euro. And uh, out here in California, that would get you probably a timeshare and a parking spot. What do you think, Juliet? Mm.
2: Yeah, maybe a parking spot like (laughs) in Koreatown where there's no parking. Like that would be a very highly coveted parking spot. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, You're not going to get anything for 60. All right, Rob, moving into our first story here. We talk about mergers and acquisitions a lot on this show, but this is something I never thought I'd say. College mergers. How many mergers are we talking here?
0: Yeah, this is super wild. So, in the past four years, there have been 95 college mergers. And to put that into perspective, I believe there were 77 college mergers in the previous 18 years. Combined. (laughs) Combined, exactly. So the number of mergers in the last four years is 10% more than the previous 18. So this is something that's been like really, really ramping up quickly. There are a lot of different factors that are contributing to it. It's a pretty crazy trend.
1: Well, before we get into those factors, what is a college merger exactly? Like what happens when two colleges merge?
0: Yeah. So basically what's been happening is like one larger college will essentially pull another college into their portfolio. So the example that we're going to be talking about in a little bit is Mills College, which is a women's only college based out of California. It's a little bit outside Silicon Valley, which is going to play into the reason that Northeastern kind of merged hmm. with this college. But essentially, one larger school kind of takes over a smaller school. And now Mills College is essentially referring to itself as Mills College at Northeastern University. Hmm. Okay. And what's the impetus for merging here? So a big reason that the mergers are happening kind of comes down to supply and demand, like almost anything that you would expect in the business world, right? Sure. So a few factors have led to slower demand or less demand for college degrees. A couple of the biggest ones being rising prices. I think most people that have been to college and took on debt to go to college realize that it's super expensive. There's a student loan crisis that's going on in America right now. And Biden is trying to kind of work through policy that might relieve students of their debts, very contentious issue. But at the end of the day, it's something that's created really big downstream financial problems for people that still owe student debt and aren't really able to kind of get on with their lives. And so it's really caused parents and students to question the ROI of a college degree. In the wake of that, there have been all these new alternatives to higher education. So tech companies like Google and Microsoft and Autodesk and a whole host of others put out courses On their own to help new workers kind of get acquainted with their software solutions. So, think about like a new worker taking Microsoft Excel courses or something like that, or somebody Mm. learning how to use Google AdWords. Sure. So, there are those sorts of kind of secondary courses that are helping people level up in their careers. And then, if you look at places like Coursera and Teachable, these online course platforms, they have like millions of courses from all sorts of people that will teach you pretty much anything. So, there are a million different ways to get educated on a subject these days.
1: And all different kinds of financial models for those alternatives. I've read about a few that maybe like college is free, but they take a fraction of your future earnings or something. Exactly. So there's some controversial business models.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think it's the artist formerly known as Lambda School. It's now known as the Bloom Institute of Technology, but that's exactly right. Hmm. I think they take like 18% or something like that of your salary, but it has to be over mm-hmm. a certain amount. I forget exactly what the figures are, but that's, that's exactly right. They sure. essentially give you this free school and then you pay them back once you get the type of job that you were looking for. And
1: it seems like there's one more macro reason for these mergers at play. The national sentiment around college is kind of shifting behind the scenes as well.
0: A hundred percent. So in 2019, only 51% of US adults said that they would consider a college degree to be very important, which is kind of crazy. I mean, that's like barely more than half. And when you hear kind of the traditional American dream or whatever you want to call it. You know, most people are typically touting like a college education as that stepping stone, right? To a career, at least you would think so. But 51% said that they considered it to be very important. It was 70% Mm in 2013. So clearly that sentiment has undergone a really big shift in the last 10 years alone. It's it's pretty nuts. And Rob, when
1: we're talking about these mergers, this obviously doesn't apply to kind of the prestigious schools, the big name schools. This is more of a, a small school thing that's happening.
0: That's exactly right. So the big private schools, the big kind of state public schools are all doing pretty fine. For the most part, it's smaller, less prestigious private schools and community colleges that are getting hit the hardest here. Hmm. I mentioned Mills College earlier. And the funny thing is it ends up like really kind of working out for both sides. At least it seems that way. Let's walk through this Mills College merger with Northeastern just as an example. Sure. So I mentioned up top, Mills is an all-women's school in Oakland, California. It's not far from Silicon Valley. And if you know anything about Northeastern... They have this co-op program that allows their students to essentially spend a lot of their time in college actually getting on the job training and working with kind of like internships at different companies. Mm-hmm. They have all these great relationships in the corporate world that allow their students to get these jobs. And one of the reasons that they became interested in Mills is because it's so close to Silicon Valley and because it's so close to so many of those companies that are really kind of leading the charge in tech. Ah, makes sense, yeah. And on the Mills side of things, they had kind of been struggling for a little bit. I think In 2017, it might have been a little bit earlier than that, Mills College required students to start writing two different essays to apply to the school. And that issue right there immediately lowered the amount of applications that they were getting. And since doing that, (laughs) there have been other factors mixed in, but they've had a really big problem with enrollment, just with getting new students into the school. Yeah.
1: Well, applying to college is already a pain in the ass with one essay. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I remember that like it
1: was yesterday. It's a big time investment for a lot of applicants. Yeah. And and that time is a privilege. Oh, yeah.
0: And if parents are anything like my mom, I mean, it was like all I heard for months. Did you write that essay? Did you write that essay? No, mom, I did not write that (laughs) essay. Yeah. So the proximity of... Mills to Silicon Valley made this a really interesting choice for Northeastern, which actually has a merger and acquisitions team, which just seems crazy that a university would have a mergers and acquisitions team. But Mills announced it was going to close in March of 2021. So for anybody who is looking at these acquisitions and being like really negative on them, I'm sure there are some downsides here. But at the end of the day, Mills was literally going to shut down. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the details of the deal, it looks like an absolute no-brainer. Northeastern swooped in. They spent $21 million to resolve Mills of the liabilities that it owed. They spent $30 million on an institute designed to continue the school's feminist scholarship and ultimately kept the school open. The crazy part is what they got in exchange for that. Listen to this. They ultimately got Mills land, which has been estimated at $1 billion. The value of their land is literally estimated at a billion (laughs) dollars.
1: I mean, this is in Oakland in the Bay Area, like one of the most expensive Mm -hmm. real estate markets in the
0: country. So their land's valued at a billion. They have a $191 million endowment. So just if they did it for the endowment, this would have been an incredible deal. Right. And Mills gets to keep
1: its legacy alive and uh, not just sell out and go out of business and sell the land to some developer or something.
0: So I know we talked about how many acquisitions there have been, but the crazy thing is it really seems like it's only the tip of the iceberg. When COVID hit, the US government dropped 76 billion on aid for colleges to help them really figure out the pandemic and and kind of get through it. And some analysts and critics have essentially said that that plan has helped hide a lot of issues at these small colleges. Mm -hmm. One professor at University of Pennsylvania, Robert Zemsky, predicts that 500 four-year colleges and universities are going to close in the near term. I'm not 100% sure what near term means and like what qualifies as near term, but if you're a school like Northeastern or one of those other bigger schools, that certainly sounds like a lot of acquisition targets. (laughs) Sure.
1: All right, I want to shift to something completely different here. We see a lot of trends come and go on TikTok. People were eating Tide Pods a couple of years ago. All kinds of weird things happen on TikTok. Juliet, there is a particular trend that's taken over TikTok right now, and I do not understand it. All I know is that it's about some kind of pink slime thing.
2: Yeah, so it's actually about pink sauce, hmm. although it does look like pink slime from the days of uh, what was pink slime like a meat byproduct.
1: Right, it looks right. like that.
2: <laughs> so this is woman on TikTok. Her username is Chef Pie, I believe. It's, it's PII. I've yet to hear her pronounce it despite watching several of her videos. <laughs> and she makes a condiment called Pink Sauce. It is very viscous and bubblegum pink and it goes on savory dishes. So nachos, fried chicken. A lot of people who have tasted it says it's like a, a sweet and spicy ranch. It's $20 a bottle and it's a standard size, so it's not like a jumbo tub or anything. It's $20 for a bottle of this. And the reason that this is blowing up is because there's not very much transparency about what the sauce actually is. Hmm. So it has a list of ingredients and they're the kind of ingredients you might expect in a sauce, chili, honey, garlic, uh, sunflower seed oil. The pink coloring comes from dragon fruit. So it's not like it's something totally wacky. The thing is that People are getting it in the mail. They're paying $20 for it. And it's just not clear exactly like what it is. The color tends to vary. Some people have said the texture varies. Some people have said it smells bad. It's not clear if there's preservatives in it or if it needs to be refrigerated. Some people have tried to replicate it using her ingredient list, and they cannot get to the texture and the viscosity without using mayonnaise. There is milk listed in the ingredients, but it's not clear if it is milk or if it's mayonnaise. Okay. There were issues with the label. So it's just very confusing is the thing.
1: <laughs> so people are ordering this through her TikTok, and she's just sending them like a bottle in the mail, basically?
2: Yeah, essentially. So okay. she is she's promoting the product on her TikTok. And I guess the takeaway here is it's kind of shedding a light on this idea that you can promote a product on social media without having to be particularly transparent about it. Hmm. So Chef Pai, she lives in Florida. You are allowed to sell food that you make in an unlicensed kitchen, such as your own home or any sort of facility. Oh, interesting. As long as there is a low risk of foodborne illness and you make less than $250,000 a year. So some examples would be like trail mix or baked goods. It's not clear if there is a possibility of foodborne illness in her sauces because we don't really know what her sauces are. There's a lot of people talking about how it's making them sick. There's nothing to indicate as far as I can tell that someone has eaten it and gotten sick. I think it's just they think it looks gross because it looks like Mm Pepto-Bismol.
1: This is making people throw up
0: on site.
2: Yeah, they're just like, ew, it looks gross. Okay.
0: Listen, I'm not going to lie, like the ingredients, I don't know what dragon fruit tastes like, but I like yeah. all of those other ingredients. Like, I think I would actually right. be down with pink sauce. All right, I'm going to order you a bottle, Rob, and
1: next week on the pod, we're going to try it live on air together. Done. I'm in. Yeah, uh,
2: I think I'd be down with it too. I actually get a smoothie quite regularly that has dragon fruit in it with like peanut butter, and it is surprisingly good. All right. So she has a business and it is registered. There's a lot of uncertainty about that as well. And after all of this backlash, she came on TikTok and she said, well, my product is undergoing lab testing and eventually I'll be able to sell it in stores. And I think the problem here is she kind of just jumped the gun. She didn't do all of that first. The FDA is important. It exists for a reason. She (laughs) should have like done all of these other things before selling this $20 bottle sauce.
1: Right, right. (laughs) But this
2: is part of kind of a larger trend that I've been seeing a lot lately just in sort of buzzy headlines.
1: Yeah, I hear about this happening a lot in um, cosmetics, for instance. Right, right? and
2: cosmetics are not regulated by the FDA, I just learned. So there's been a couple of things I've seen. I saw a BuzzFeed investigation into this $65 eyelash serum that some women were saying was basically causing them to lose fat in their eye area, so it changed the way that their eyelids appeared. And Latisse is actually the only eyelash serum approved by the FDA. These other ones are not there was a CNN story about skin whitening products that people were trying to sell on social media, some of which contained potentially toxic ingredients like mercury. CNET had a story on people selling homemade lip gloss. Some of the creators were seen in very sanitized environments being really transparent about what they were putting in it, but there were like other clips where people were like making them on carpeted floors, which you can't really like sanitize your carpet as much as you would like to. Yeah. And again, like when it comes to products like that, like lip balm, the FDA is not regulating. So mm. the larger takeaway is so Social media can be great for your small business and it can be a lovely way to promote what you're doing. I actually watched a very long TikTok video from someone who makes a different sauce. It's called Mutt Sauce. Mm. And she was just talking about how, you know, make your sauces. That's great. But food safety is so paramount. You never want someone to get sick from your product. Yeah. That is, she was saying, her worst nightmare. And so I think... It's kind of just this uh buyer beware situation where you really have to do your due diligence and make sure you're buying something that is regulated that you trust. And mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to trust reviews on social media because someone could say this is the most amazing product I've ever tried in my life and they're just saying that because they got sent free product. I know we talked about the bogus Amazon reviews and Zach, you did a big story on that in twenty nineteen. It's just um it's just murky out there <laughs> on social media. Yeah,
1: it really is. Yeah, the onus really is more and more on consumers to do their due diligence. I mean, To an extent, I guess it always has been with products. But, you know, if you go to the store and something's on the shelf, it has to go through so many checks and balances in order to get there. And uh, if you're ordering something over a digital platform, be it Instagram, Twitter, TikTok... (laughs)
0: <laughs> there's a lot less oversight that goes into this process.
2: Right, absolutely.
0: It reminds me a ton, like, do y'all remember when Chipotle had issues with like norovirus, and I think they had some other stuff going mm-hmm. on, like people were just getting sick eating Chipotle? Yeah, totally. Their stock got absolutely hammered. I remember watching some YouTube video of Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's partner, Berkshire Hathaway. And and somebody asked him a question. They were like, what do you think of this whole Chipotle thing? And he was like, if you are in the food industry, which they own a few food companies, I think, Seize Candy among them. Mm-hmm. He's like, the most important thing is making sure that all of your ingredients are safe and making sure that your food is coming from like a safe place and is healthy to eat, right? So. Yeah. You think about it with Chipotle, like everybody's going to the store for it, but TikTok, it's just so unregulated. It's like, how are people actually getting this? And you mentioned, Juliet; it might not be safe to travel by mail. Like it's, I don't know, who knows?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Right. And I feel like Chipotle is a perfect example, Rob you know, Chipotle is a publicly traded company. They faced real repercussions over those yeah. food safety issues. Not only did their stock price fall, but they got fined, I think, $25 million. It was the largest ever fine in a food safety case in American history. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, uh, you know, I don't think someone like Chef Pie is going to be beholden to this level of scrutiny. I guess we'll find out.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it would be great if she could get all of her licenses and and do everything and have a legitimate business. I just feel like it's unfortunate that she's getting all this backlash because maybe pink sauce is actually delicious and dragon fruit is the key to our condiment future. It's just, I feel like she was not prepared for it to blow up the way that it did.
0: True. I'm in, I'm still down to try this stuff. I have a strong stomach. I'm not worried. (laughs) I'm ready to try some of this pink sauce. Are you on on board, something? No,
2: I have a chronic illness (laughs) from food poisoning. Food poisoning pretty much (laughs) <laughs> back to my yeah. life. So no, you are oh. on your own.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll take that hit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Jeez. All right. Well, we'll have to see if we can make that happen, but uh, we'll, we'll try to stick to that promise and uh, get a couple bottles. All right. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the Hustle Pop Podcast Network. Our editors, Robert Hartwig, executive producer, Darren Clark. If you liked what you heard today, we've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. And if you're not subscribed, you can go and get yourself signed up at the hustle.com. Stay out of trouble this weekend and we'll catch you all next week.